So, so I want to ask you a question. I want to start with one question. What are you like when you're angry? What are you like when you're angry? So for me, in, in my 20s, I was not a very good angry person. I did not do anger well. In the span of a few years, I managed on throwing a giant metal chair across our apartment um, in college four or five times. Um, I, I got so angry one time with my roommate in college, I grabbed him, threw him up against a wall, and he was this like small little Korean dude, and I'm not any of those. <laughs> um, but I was, so, I was just so enraged, I, I lost it. Uh, during our first year of marriage, I actually punched a hole in our wall. Pofo and I were in the middle of a fight, and, and again, I just kind of lost it. And I punched a hole in, in our wall in our little tiny apartment. And you know, all of those experiences have one thing in common. Well, me. And in every one of those times, I found that I was filled with emotion and anger that I didn't know what to do with. I was like a tornado of emotion inside, and I couldn't handle it. And I exploded. All of those were me not doing anger well. So how about you? How well do you do anger? Because I know I'm not alone here. Um, thankfully, by God's grace, he's carried me a long way from my early 20 days of kind of not knowing how to deal with anger. Um, and, but how about you? I know I, I'm surely I know I'm not alone here in dealing with not doing anger well. I think that's why I've included in this series. We're going to spend a day in, in this series of doing emotions well. Lessons from the Psalms. We're going to spend a day talking about anger here. Okay. So, how do you do anger? How well do you do it? Healthy or unhealthy? Where do you think you are on this spectrum from really healthy to really unhealthy? You know, generally, I've, I've found that there people deal with anger in th sort of three ways I've found. So first, there are exploders. I won't ask you to raise your hand, okay? Because then you'll just get mad at me and yell at me, okay? These are the exploders. These are the people who, when they're angry, you know they're angry. They're the ones who yell, shout, throw things, will grab you or even hit you, slam walls, slam their fists. Those are the exploders. And some of you are exploders, I know that because we've talked. You've, tell, you've told me about conversations with your parents, with your spouse, where you exploded. Okay, so some of you are exploders. There's, an, there's another way people deal with anger, and I call these the stuffers. Okay, the stuffers. These are the ones who pretend that nothing's wrong. They just take that anger and stuff it so deep it disappears, or so they think. These are the ones that pretend that they're not angry. Husbands, this is the one if you, when you ask your wife, are you upset? And she says, no, I'm not. Well, first, they're lying. Okay? <laughs> okay? These are the stuffers. And then the third way I've seen people deal with anger is I call these ones the leakers. 
These are the ones that you'll ask, and they'll tell you they're not angry, but they'll get back at you in little ways. A little snide comment, a little joke, a little jab. Uh, these, one, these ones are called the passive aggressives. Okay? The passive aggressives, where they let their anger leak out in just little tiny ways. But if you ask them, no, no, I'm not angry. Idiot. Okay? So <laughs> these are the passive aggressive folks. So how about you? Are you an exploder, stuffer, or leaker? How do you deal with your anger? Now the truth is, none of those are great options. In fact, those are all terrible ways to deal with your anger. Okay. Can we do anger better? Can we do anger better? Now, I'm glad that God gives us a vision of how we can do our anger better. We, we're not left in the dark on this. We don't have to come up with our own solutions. God's given us a model in the book of Psalms on how to do anger better. Because did you, did you know there were angry psalms? There, there are. There's some really angry psalms out there. In fact, it's a whole special category of psalm. And it's one of the most troubling categories of psalms out there. And so today, I'm, I'm going to change it up a little bit. I'm just, I just want to read you the psalm. We're going to look at Psalm 58 today. I'm going to read you the whole psalm without any preface or introduction, and then I'm going to explain it to you afterwards. Okay? So this is Psalm 58. Do you rulers indeed speak justly? Do you judge people with equity? No. In your heart you devise injustice, and your hands meet out or deal out. Your hands deal out violence on the earth. Even from birth, the wicked go astray. From the womb, they are wayward, spreading lies. Their venom is like the venom of a snake, like that of a cobra that has stopped its ears, that will not heed the tune of the charmer, however skillful the enchanter may be. Break the teeth in their mouths, O Lord. Tear out their fangs of those lions. Let them vanish like water that flows away. When they draw their bow, let their arrows fall short. May they be like a slug that melts away as it moves along, like a stillborn child that never sees the sun. Before your pots can feel the heat of the thorns, whether they be green or dry, the wicked will be swept away. The righteous will be glad when they are avenged, when they dip their feet in the blood of the wicked. Then people will say, surely the righteous still are rewarded. Surely there is a God who judges the earth. What? <laughs> okay, can we just all do like a collective, huh? That's in the Bible? Really? Break the teeth in their mouths? Dip their feet in the blood of the wicked? That doesn't sound very Jesus-y, love thy neighbor. Okay? So maybe, so what do we, how do we make sense of these? How, what do we do with these type of psalms? Well, these, this special category of psalm, I'm going to give you a very fancy word today, that these are called imprecatory psalms. 
imprecatory psalms. I know, it's, it's a strange word. It, it comes from the word imprecate, which means to call down curses on someone. So these literally are psalms that call down curses on other people. Imprecatory psalms. Now, again, really, this is in the Bible Okay, so how do we make sense of this? Well, there, maybe, maybe it's one of these where this is like an Old Testament wrathful God sort of thing, and it, 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 they don't really apply in the New Testament loving Jesus type of thing. Okay? Maybe that's the explanation. Or, or maybe, maybe this, this, is, this is a different set of rules than the Jesus love thy neighbor. Okay? Well, unfortunately, neither of those are correct. For a couple reasons. One, it's the same God in the Old Testament and New Testament. That God is as wrathful and loving in the Old Testament as he is wrathful and loving in the New Testament. Okay? But that's a whole sermon unto itself. Okay? But the other thing, and, and this thing, in case you think this is like way too much Old Testament wrathful God sort of thing, this will blow your mind. The New Testament actually quotes imprecatory psalms 14 times. That's Jesus and his followers were quoting psalms like this. Jesus even calls down curses upon cities that reject his followers. Even Jesus imprecates. So what in the world are we supposed to do with these? If those aren't great explanations of it. Well, I want to start with a quote from one of the, one of the a great commentary I've been using along with this series. It's called Opening Up Psalms. And, and this gives, I believe, a wonderful answer to how are we to start thinking about these angry, violent, imprecatory psalms. Okay? Let me read it. So how should we understand imprecatory psalms? The answer is not looking at them as an individual child of God seeking personal vengeance against his enemies, but rather as him yearning for the only true God to triumph over his enemies. You see, we tend to make anger about ourselves. We tend to make anger very personal because somebody did something personally against us and we're angry about it. We're hurt by it. So when we read things like this, we tend to individualize them. We tend to personalize them. But that's not what imprecatory psalms are all about. Right? Imprecatory psalms are fundamentally about God, not us. They are about God. And in particular, and this is very important, imprecatory psalms call divine vengeance, excuse me, divine justice, not human vengeance. And let me say that again. That imprecatory psalms call for divine justice, not human vengeance. 99.9% .9 of the things you do when you're angry fall into the category of vengeance. Not even punishment. You're not even trying to punish your parent or your spouse. No, it's vengeance. Because punishment is thoughtful. It's, it matches the kind of the crime. Punishment fit the crime. But vengeance is emotional. 
Vengeance is I want you to feel what I feel right now. So by the way, parents, if you punish your kids and that is what you are thinking, you're not punishing. You're enacting revenge. So 99.9% .9 of the things we do are actually vengeance because we want the other person to suffer like they hurt us. Okay? And in precatory psalms, and that's why I believe they're actually a critical part of the emotionally intelligent book of psalms because they shift our attention from our own vengeance to divine justice. And God is truly the only one who can be truly just. We're way too emotionally involved in anything. Even whatever your favorite cause is that really upsets you, okay? Whether it's, it's racial inequity, imbalanced court system, child slavery, the war in the Middle East, whatever, whatever your kind of pet peeve or your impassioned cause is, it's still about you. God is the only one who can truly understand what justice is. That's why we need imprecatory psalms. Because imprecatory psalms help us align with God. They help us align with God. So let's talk about it. Let's go back to some of these verses and talk about it a little bit. Okay? So we're going to start with verse 1 and 2. Verse 1 and 2. Here it is again. Do you rulers indeed speak justly? Do you judge people with equity? No. In your heart you devise injustice, and your hands meet or your hands deal out violence on the earth. So most imprecatory psalms begin with an accusation. They begin with an accusation. Most of our anger begins with an accusation, doesn't it? <laughs> we're angry at our parents. We're angry at a sibling. We're angry at a friend, a coworker. And they begin with an accusation. This one is specifically focused on an accusation against those in power. The rulers in power. And the accusation is they are corrupt. They are unjust. They are unfair. Uh, honestly, it's part of why I picked this psalm. Out of all the imprecatory psalms I could have picked, I picked this one. In case you're kind of feeling that way about any of our current political or social leaders or any of our potential future ones and you feel that they are unjust and unfair. This psalm, in fact, this psalm, one, one um, theologian described it as a psalm with a social conscience. I like that. Okay? That's part of why I picked Psalm 58 for us to look at today. Okay? Because here's an accusation against failed leaders, the people in power, the rulers. So it goes on, and, and, and so that's the beginning. It'd be like, you unjust rulers. And what's nice is, and it, we lose a little bit of it in the English, but it comes a little bit. But, so, but in the Hebrew, these are actually really sarcastic questions. Okay, they're very sarcastic. Imagine someone else, so do you rulers indeed speak justly? There's a big fat no at the end of it. That's kind of what those two f first statements are. They've got this tinge of sarcasm to them. Okay? And so that's the accusation against the leaders. Let's see where he goes on. 
Okay? So from there, he goes on to describe them such as wicked or full of lies. The author even equates them to snakes. And that's, always, that's never a good thing. If you're ever equated to a snake, I don't think there's any way to get out of that looking good. Okay? But he's, so he's calling them snakes. And in fact, not just snakes, but like rebellious snakes that don't listen to their snake charmer. Did you catch that kind of that enchanter language? That's a snake charmer. You know, those guys, okay? That's, and it's like a snake who wouldn't listen to a snake charmer and ends up biting him. That's what he's saying that these unjust or these wicked rulers are like. So then, so he, then, then he continues on. And he says what sure sounds like the most unbelievable thing. Okay, here it is: break the teeth of their mouths, O God; tear out the fangs of these lions. <laughs> You're like, what? Really? That does not sound very Christian. Doesn't it sound like he's just kind of asking God to punch him in the mouth? Just give him a big old like punch in the mouth and knock out his teeth. Fortunately, that's not at all what this verse is saying. Okay? So, so with this, this idea of break the teeth in their mouths, think about this. And the second verse actually gives a much more better clue about what this means. Is, Lord, tear out the fangs of the lion. Okay? A lion with fangs is a deadly beast that can kill and destroy. A lion without fangs, and I'd add in claws is there, but a, a lion without fangs and claws is a kitty cat, a really big one. <laughs> but think about that. Think about that image of ripping out the fangs of a lion and the claws of a lion takes away all of his destructive power. So what he's really saying here, you, you want me to translate this? Take away the power they use to destroy innocent people. Now that's something we can get behind, can't we? I mean, it, it's what's behind the, the recall um, of the judge uh, in the, the court case in California, the, 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 um, the Brock Turner uh, sexual assault case, there's a whole petition to recall the judge because, because there's this feeling, I want to take away the power of someone who has abused it. That's actually what this is saying. This is not God punch him in the mouth. And so you know what? When I find someone I don't like, I'm going to punch him in the mouth because the Bible says so. No, that is not what this is saying. Okay? This is saying Lord, take away the power that these rulers use to hurt people and destroy people and take advantage of the innocent. Now that, I think, is something we can get behind. So that's what this whole break the teeth of their mouths look like. Okay? Now, let's, look at the, let's go down. Let's look at the, the last two verses. Okay? So first, verse 10. The righteous will be glad when they are avenged. When they dip their feet into the blood of the wicked. Okay. Really? Again, really? Now that does not sound very Christian. That sounds more like Game of Thrones right there. Okay. So how could this possibly, possibly be Christian? This loving God we talk about each week? Okay, really? Well, first, first you have to understand, remember the Hebrew Psalms are poetry. One and one of the hallmarks of poetry is something called hyperbole. 
So if you remember back to like seventh grade English class, hyperbole is exaggeration. So Psalms use exaggeration constantly. And this is an example of it. Right? So first, the, it, the, the Psalms use this grand exaggerated language. So first, understand that. Okay? Now, what are we supposed to do with this dip their feet in the blood of the wicked? Well, this is actually, this is, this is a Hebrew metaphor, and it's a wartime metaphor. So I want to paint you a picture. Which side would you rather be on? The people who are walking, and, and you have to kind of go back to like picture civil war or picture whatever your favorite um, like Roman um, Trojan battle scene or uh, 300, whatever it is, okay? So just think about this. Which side would you rather be on? Would you rather be on the side of the people that are walking across a field that's covered in somebody else's blood or would you rather be the one on the ground providing the blood for somebody else to walk across? That's what this is saying. This is not saying, let's go get some of our enemy, slash their throat, drain their blood, and like dip our feet in it. No, that's not what this is. What this is saying is when we are at war with an enemy, we want to be the ones still standing. We want to be the ones who are walking across a field that's, and the field is covered in blood because warfare was brutal back then, okay? And so we want to be the ones walking in the blood, dipping our feet into the blood of the enemy or the wicked. So this is not nearly as horrendous as it sounds. It's still pretty graphic. But all of the people who, all of the men, especially who had been to war, and heard this around maybe, let's say, 7, 800 B.C., they would have known what this meant. They meant when it comes to battle, if we are going to go up against unjust, unfair rulers, we want to be the ones still standing at the end of the day. We don't want to be the corpses on the ground. And that's what he's saying here. That's what the author is saying, okay? So... So don't, and also remember, this is not an instruction book about what to do when you're angry, okay? Do not go collect the blood of your enemies and dip your feet in it, okay? Do not do that, okay? Now let's go to the last verse. And this last verse really holds the secret to understanding imprecatory psalms, okay? Let me read it. Then people will say, surely the righteous are rewarded, Surely there is a God who judges the earth. Okay, I want everyone to look at that last line. Surely there is a God who judges the earth. God judges the earth. We do not. And that is the lesson of imprecatory psalms. God judges the earth. We do not. And this Hebrew notion of judge, I mean, nowadays we, we have the, this idea of judge is even it's like someone goes out, gets drunk last night, and then they call you up and you judge them for going out and getting drunk. No, that's not what this, this is judge, jury, and executioner right here, okay? This is not, oh, I look down at you because you do something I think is wrong. No, this is judge, jury, and executioner. We are not the judge of the earth. God is. And that is the single most consistent theme in every single imprecatory psalm. 
even the ones with the most graphic, violent language, they always end like this. Because imprecatory psalms fundamentally are about divine justice, not human vengeance. And that's where we mess up anger. Because we make anger personal, and we make anger about vengeance. And don't think for a second when you get angry, you don't seek revenge on people that, that you get angry at. Exploders, stuffers, leakers. We all seek revenge. Unless you allow God to work in you, to change you, to reorient the way you look at anger. To reorient the way you look at anger. Because fundamentally, we want to take things into our own hands. When we're angry, how easy is it for you when you're angry to sit back, not say anything, and not do anything? I'm not sure there's a single one of us who could pass that test if we're really angry. Because we want to take things into our own hands. And what imprecatory psalms say over and over and over again is these are in God's hands not ours. God is the judge of the earth, not us. So I think out of all of the Psalms, I think this is something, imprecatory Psalms are something we need in today's world. Because we have got plenty of things around this world that we could get upset about. There are plenty of things that could cause us to be angry. Justified and unjustified. Whether it's the killing of young black men all across the country. Whether it's judges who mete out sentences that don't fit the crime. Whether it's racial disparity and the unjust treatment that minorities and low-income families receive within the system. Whether it's the wars overseas and we see people killed by Islamic fundamentalists. Or we look down to Florida and we see the same thing. There are plenty of legitimate things around this world right now, today, that could get us angry. And there are plenty of ridiculous things that we get angry over. The internet is a ridiculously angry place. If you haven't been on the internet lately, good enough, stay there. Every day somebody is getting furious over somebody and something. And it's the, this idea of internet outrage is almost comical by now. But sometimes something comes up and you get passionate about it. Whether it's a kid getting killed by an alligator or a gorilla getting killed by a zookeeper. Maybe one of those really set you off and broke your heart and you got angry at whoever you wanted to get angry at. You need an imprecatory psalm. You need that to be able to let go of what you want to do or say. Right. So how do we avoid all of this anger? Because our world, and surely you've noticed, our country, at least in our world, especially I think our country, our country is getting angrier and angrier. Political discourse is getting angrier and angrier internet discourse, families, 
husbands and wives are getting angrier and angrier. I would love to say that an angry spouse is a rarity among my time counseling people, but it's not. It's pretty common. So what are we supposed to do with all of these things that could cause us so much anger? We remember. Remember the imprecatory psalms. And let go of our desire to seek vengeance. And instead, leave that up to God. Leave that up to God. So I, I want to close with one more quote. Uh, from another book that I've been e reading along th with it for the psalm series. And, and it raises the question of why do we need imprecatory psalms? Because that's what I'm saying. I believe we need these psalms in today's world. And it's up there. Why do we need these? They guide or channel our anger to and through God verbally rather than to or at anyone else, verbally or physically. We need, today's world, we need imprecatory psalms because we need to channel a lot more of our anger to God and through God than to other people, against other people, verbally or physically. We need this. Because there's an amazing thing that happens when we get angry to God and we work our anger through God. He meets us and he transforms us. And I, I can say that because I'm kind of living proof about it. Um, don't I don't punch holes in walls anymore. I don't throw around roommates. Um, because God has been gracious enough to transform me over a series of years of hard work and talking with professionals and reading and praying. But God was allow has allowed me to do anger much better nowadays. I know how to talk about my anger, not shout about my anger. I know how to turn to God with my anger. And I have a little better sense of the stuff that God gets angry about. That's one of the other reasons why we need imprecatory psalms is because we as a church body, that if you are a follower of Christ, we need to start getting angry about the things God gets angry about. Okay? Not the things we want to get angry about. So we need to understand what God gets angry. We can't just automatically assume that he gets angry about what we care about. So I think imprecatory psalms are a blessing to us because they help us understand God's desire, God's justice for our world. It is not in our hands. It's in God's. So join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, we acknowledge your justice and your goodness. God, we acknowledge that your heart breaks for the things that are happening in our nation and in our, our world. And God, at the same time, we confess that we want to take things into our own hands.
God. So collectively, we as a whole, we confess our self-centeredness, our anger, our desire to seek vengeance for ourselves. We confess that. We give that to you. God, and I pray that you can begin to give us a heart that breaks for the things that breaks your heart. Lord, that we can understand what these authors of these psalms understood. That vengeance is not ours to inflict as we wish. But justice is your domain. Justice is in the hands of the only one true perfect God. So we leave it there. And we take all of our anger, even those who are angry at this very moment, we take that anger and give it to you. God, and I pray for those, I pray for the angry people out here. God, the, I, I pray for the people who are not doing anger well, and they are bringing destruction with their fangs. They're bringing destruction upon their families, their parents, their friends, their co-workers. Um, Lord, so take away their anger with your love and your grace. Remove their anger from them and fill with your love and grace. God, so I thank you for these psalms. They are a gift to us in our world today. So thank you, and I pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, the one who died for us so that we could be with you. Amen.